0: This morning in our series. Jesus, help me understand. We're going to look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and try to understand sacrifice. You know, as we walk this road with him, there are three ways that I think Jesus modeled spiritual maturity that will help us in this context, three ways that he modeled spiritual maturity that will help us in our own spiritual journey. Regardless of where you think you are this morning, you are all on a spiritual journey. If you're here for the first time, you've been coming for years, you're on a spiritual journey. We're all on a spiritual journey. And these verses help us, help us walk through that spiritual journey. Open up our eyes to how we can live a life of sacrifice. Because that's what Jesus is helping us understand here, sacrifice. First, Jesus modeled how we can deal with sorrow, We all go through difficult times. We all face difficulties. And Jesus here is saying, how how, he's modeling how we deal with that sorrow. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 37, we're going to spend most of our time in Matthew 26, if you want to turn there. Verse 37 says, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And he said to Peter, James, and John, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's agonizing over what's going to happen to him. And so he asks his disciples to to watch. He He says to stay here and keep watch with me in verse 38. Which means stay here and pray with me. You guys need to, you guys need to stay alert. I need your prayer. During this time of sorrow, I'm overwhelmed. Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. He knows what he's about to face. And so he tells his disciples, stay here with me, pray with me, engage with me. Why was he so distressed? Because he knew Jesus understood what was about to take place. He knew what was about to take place. And he also knew that his disciples were going to abandon him or betray him. I don't know, but you know, we, I think it'd be difficult enough for each one of us. Maybe you've gone through this where you're, you're close to some folks, you've got some close friends, and they abandon you or they betray you. I think that would be difficult enough, but in Jesus' case, Jesus knew beforehand it was going to happen. It must have been so disheartening to him in this situation, knowing what the future was going to bring, being surrounded by these men and knowing that in the the next few days he would be abandoned or betrayed by them. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 1 and 2, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Again, he not only knows he's going to die, But he knows how he's going to die, by crucifixion. It was the cruelest and the most torturous way to be killed. I mean, crucifixion was a horrible, horrible way to die. Death by crucifixion was designed to inflict the greatest amount of pain and humiliation possible for the longest period of time possible. So Jesus understood. He's in the garden. He's got all these emotions running through him. He knows he's going to be abandoned or betrayed. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows what the cross is like. He knows what he's going to experience with this cruel, this torture. He knows all of these things. And so he's completely overwhelmed, being fully God, being fully God. He understood the full context of what was coming. It's no wonder He says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, it says this, He fell with His face to the ground and prayed. Nowhere else in Scripture is Jesus in this posture, where He falls with His face to the ground. There are things that are happening in the Garden of the Gethsemane that are just overwhelming. So Jesus is dealing with all of this. And it says He falls with His face to the ground. heart is breaking. And to put it in perspective in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44, it tells us, it says that Jesus was in such anguish that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Think about that. Now, there are those who, when they, when they, when they read this, they say there, there are those who would interpret and say that it was literally drops of blood falling to the ground. I would agree. People say, well, you can't literally sweat blood. Oh, yes, you can. Scientific fact. You can sweat blood when a human being goes through so much anguish, so much stress, when they 're that overwhelmed, they can literally sweat drops of blood, and that 's where Jesus was he was so he was in so much pain, so much eternal anguish going on in his life, working through all of what was coming, the sorrow and the stress was so intense. You think about just what he must have been going through. And, and with all of that on his mind, what is the first thing that he does? He prays. He prays. He's on his knees and he's praying. He's praying. And he calls others to prayer as well. He says, pray with me. Stay here with me and pray. Pray. If you're going through a difficult time this morning in your life, if you're going through something that's really overwhelming, even this morning I had people coming to me and relaying information saying, you know, my doctor is going to let me know this week if, if, if I have cancer or my, my, uh, my family is going through this difficult situation or I have someone really close to me who's at the point of death and they're, and they're sharing those things. And so I know in this room is, there's filled with st- there's filled with, it's filled with, with anguish and stress and difficulty. Some things that just feel overwhelming. And when you're facing something that's overwhelming, instead of, instead of making the choice to make some further decision or to take action, what you need to do is take a step back and just pray. Ask those around you to Pray. You know, as, as people, we sometimes, we're going to do everything but pray. I'm going to try this, and I'll take this action, I'll make this decision, and I'll do all these things. And what did Jesus set up? What did he model for us? Fully God and fully man. Fully God. The first thing he does is he prays. He says, come, watch with me. In other, ways, in other words, stay here and pray with me. My soul is overwhelmed here. The anguish is unbelievable. I need you to stay here, and I need you to pray with me. So he models for us, how do we handle it when we're in a situation like that? The first thing we do is we stop making decisions, we stop taking action, and we just go to God in prayer. The second thing he modeled was how to handle emotional struggles. My goodness, again, the room is filled with emotional struggles. You know, you're, you're you're saying, gosh, I wish I wasn't going through this. I can't believe I'm still dealing with this. I can't believe someone this close to me is dealing with this. And it's just emotionally overwhelming. Jesus prayed in verse 39, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. We know here that he is fully God and he is fully man. And the human side of him is, is in agony and he's overwhelmed. And, he, and, he, and he, he's overwhelmed by the impending pain that he's going to go through. But that fully God side is, is saying, no, I want to fulfill the will of my father. I want to fi- fulfill the scripture as, as it's laid out. But you have this human side. Jesus know what's, he knows what's coming, but he's fully man. You can't, take that, you can't take away from what he's going through as a human being. I remember being in some of my classes, my professors, and a couple of the professors would play down the human side of Christ, even in, this, in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, being fully God, he understood this. And, but you know what? I think when you play down that fully man side, you take away from the Word. You really do. You don't truly experience what he was going through. The anguish and agony that he was dealing with. He was fully man. He understood what was, what was going to happen to him. And he was, being, he was overwhelmed. The flesh doesn't want to go to the cross. This, this flesh doesn't want to go to the cross. But the spirit wants to redeem the world. I know what has to be done. But that doesn't mean that I'm not experiencing the fear and the, and the anguish and, the, and the, the, the sorrow and all that comes with it. My human side is not, is, not, is not screaming in my mind. If there's any way to get out of this, get out of it. Jesus' humanity was exploring the limits of God's will in his situation. But at no time did Jesus want to break free from it. You say, what, what, what does that mean, exploring the, you know, the extent, exploring the limits of God's will in your situation? One, in other words, I'll do it, Father, but, but if there's a door number two, I'd like door number two, right? I mean, it's simple. It's, it put it in layman's terms, okay? Jesus is saying, Father, I want to submit to your will, But if there's, if you're saying, and and behind door number two, there's, you know, you know what you got already. remember those game shows? You know, hey, you won this. Oh, that doesn't look too great. But there's door number two. And you're like, I'll take, you know, John, I'll take door number two. That's what Jesus is basically saying, Father. He's exploring the full extent of of God's will for his life and and into the limits of God's will. And he's saying, Lord, if there's any, God, if there's any way, Father, if there's any other way, I'll take door number two knowing what he's going to experience his human side is overwhelmed i love i love the, I, I love the the raw honesty of these verses i really do i really do this is why this this builds my faith i read things like this it builds my faith the raw, the, the raw honesty of these verses. He didn't candy coat it. It wasn't over spiritualized like they were doing in some of my classes, trying to over spiritualize it. Well, if, you know, God is fully God and he understood and blah, blah, blah. So they, they, they play down on the human side. It wasn't over spiritualized. He, he he was just sharing his experience. He was sharing what was going on in his heart, literally what was, what was happening in his heart, what Jesus was going through and what he was saying was totally authentic. It was just laid out there for us to read and to, hear and to see what was going on in the life of jesus christ in the garden of gethsemane when you face the struggles the emotional struggles of life don't act like you've got it all together i think one of the reasons we do that is is we pull this this saying out i'm going to call it a saying because you can't find it in scripture god will never give you more than you can handle it says that God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. He'll always give you. There's a totally different, it's a totally different meaning behind that verse than people pulling it out of context. Not even out of context. They're not even quoting it correctly. God's not going to give you more than you handle, so don't worry about it, okay? I know, you're, I know you lost your family members in a plane crash and your car just ran over whatever, your dog, and you know you've, you found out you have cancer all in a week, but God's not going to give you more than you can handle. I'll tell you what, I couldn't handle that. God's going to be there and give me strength. God's going to give me peace. God's going to give me joy. God's going to give me whatever I need through that situation. But when people say, well, God's not going to give you more than you can handle, what you end up doing is not what Jesus did. Jesus was laying it all out there, sweating blood, overwhelmed by the whole process of what he was going to go through. But you and I can't experience that because God's not going to give us more than we can handle. Stop acting when you're going through a horrible time that, you know, everything's fine. Everything is like, you're like a nervous breakdown waiting to happen. Don't try to go through it all by yourself. Don't try to man up on it or whatever, you, whatever words you want to use. That, that's not what we're talking about here. Jesus wasn't trying to be Mr. Tough Guy and not show his, you know, whatever side. He, he went through it. When we're going through a difficult time, we need to make sure. We need to make sure that we're exploring the limits of God's will, that we share our struggles with God, that we're crying out to God and saying, God, hey, if there's a door number two, I'll take door number two. Because you don't know the limits of God's will in your life. You may be going through something and saying, Lord, I'm at the point now, I'm not sure how much more I can take of this. Can you please, if there's a way that you can do it this way or that way, Lord, what is your will? Your will be done, but what is the extent of your will in my situation, in this area of my life? Lord God, can we explore that together? (laughs) Can we talk about that? Because I'm really hurting here. And you, get, you, you start to pray, and you pray, and you, let, you just let it go. You, you, you feel what you're feeling. You talk to God about it. He already knows what you're feeling. You get other people around you to pray. You're not the tough guy. You don't have it all together. You can't handle it all yourself. And you know what? Yeah, you, you've got more than you can handle right now on your plate. And you're saying, I can't handle this anymore, Lord. I need, I need you to handle it for me. I leave it at the cross, and I need everyone around me to come around and hold my arms up, maybe carry me over their shoulder. I love that footprints in the sand. One of the first things I, I read when I was a baby Christian was that footprints in the sand where you know, I only saw one set of footprints. That was when I was carrying you, Jesus says, right? That's when I was carrying you. We need to be carried an awful lot, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with expressing what is on your heart, what you're going through, how you're feeling, how overwhelmed you could be in a situation, and what you want to do is not man up or woman up or whatever it is. You want to say you want to get people around you. Say, please pray for me. I am overwhelmed. I can't handle this. God, help me. Give me strength. Give me the courage I need. Help me to overcome these fears, Lord. I'm, I'm I'm feeling such incredible anguish. Help me get through this struggle. Let others pray for you. Jesus asked his disciples to pray. Let other people pray for you. Let other people meet your needs. This is why Jesus says to Peter in in verse 41, you have to watch and pray because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. We need to pray in the flesh. We can't handle it in the flesh. The spirit is willing. The body is weak. So he says this. He says this to them. And we know what happens, though. He tells them to stay awake, be alert, watch and pray with me. But they they fall asleep. They not only fell asleep physically, they fell asleep spiritually. And when you fall asleep spiritually, some bad things can happen. You allow your sinful nature to, to dictate your decisions and your actions. You have to be careful falling asleep spiritually. Jesus is saying, watch out. Temptation is coming for all of you. You need to be alert. You need to be careful. Because you think it's difficult now, here comes the enemy as well, to try to get that final blow, to knock you out, out of the ring, done, finished. And Jesus is saying, you need to stay alert, you need to stay awake, you need to pray. You need to pray or you're going to lose focus on what's important. You're going to leave the eternal and go into the temporal, and that's where you're going to lose. You're going to lose Don't fall asleep. I'm saying this to all of us, okay? We cannot fall asleep spiritually because in our sinful nature, our flesh takes over and we make really bad decisions. We need to stay awake spiritually so it's our spirit that is speaking to us. Jesus says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Verse 41, watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. This is the key. We need to watch and pray so we can win the spirit flesh battle that we all go through. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. Paul said it. What I don't want to do, I do. What I want to do, I don't do. What a wretched man I am. Thanks, thanks be, praise be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who saved us from all of that. But it's that flesh-spirit battle going on. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. You're going to have that flesh-spirit battle going less and less as you get more mature. But it still goes on. And Jesus says you cannot let your guard down. You cannot let your guard down. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. For Jesus, this was more than a concern over the over the physical pain. It was a spiritual struggle. As what he's going through, you have to get in your mind. It was not just the idea, oh, man, I'm going to get crucified. This is, this is not good. This is going to hurt. Gee, they're going to stab me with these things. He wasn't just focused on the nails piercing through his hands and his feet. This was spiritual spiritual this was an intense thought of taking on the sin of all humanity he wasn't as concerned about the big spikes that were going to go through his hands and his feet that that was not the first thing on his mind what was really the first thing on his mind was that he was going to take the sin of the entire world just think about your last month in just the people in this room think about your sins in this last month Okay? Jesus understands them all, has them all, fully God understands. And he's going to take on all of that, but no, not just all of that. He's going to take on every sin, past, present and future of every human being that ever lived on the entire planet to bring us back into a relationship with God. A holy God cannot be in the sight of sinful man. God wants a relationship with us. Jesus Christ comes to earth, lives a sinless, pure life, is now going to be the the one without sin, is going to become sin, not sinful. He He was perfect, but he's going to take on all the sin of every human being that ever lived on himself. This is why he's sweating blood, not because he was going to get stuck with with, with nails in his hand and his feet. Yes, that would be ter- it's, it, that's terrible. It's horrible. That kind of agony is unbelievable. But Jesus is struggling. He's he's more concerned with the spirits than the ends of physical. In Isaiah fifty three five and six, it says he was pierced. This is this is, this is is the Old Testament, okay? I don't even need the New Testament to preach the gospel. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Old Testament, before Jesus was born. Prophecy. You don't even need the New Testament to preach the gospel. You want to know if the Bible is true? Look at some prophecy. Not some Nostradamus baloney. Oh, it could be this, it could be that. That's not it could be this or it could be that. He was pierced. Before crucifixion was even invented, Isaiah was written. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. That is what Jesus is dealing with. The punishment that brought us peace Peace with God, relationship with God was upon him, and by his wounds, you and I can be healed. This is truth. This is truth. The weight he was about to carry was not a physical weight, it was a spiritual weight. My sin sent Jesus Christ to the cross. Your sin sent Jesus to the cross. The failure of the first Adam. Sent Jesus Christ to the cross. We inherited that sin. And that is what sent Jesus Christ to the cross. In his book... And the angels were silent. Max Lacato puts it this way The final encounter of the battle has begun. As Jesus looks at the city of Jerusalem, he sees what the disciples can't. He sees the evil one preparing for the final encounter. Hell is breaking loose. History records it as a battle between the Jews against Jesus. It wasn't, it was a battle of God against Satan. And Jesus knew it. He knew that before the war was over, he would be taken captive. He knew that before victory would come defeat. He knew that before the throne would come the cup. And he knew before the light of Sunday would come the blackness of Friday. And he was afraid. In his humanness, he understood all of that. He understood before there was going to be victory, before there was triumph, before all these things would happen, he would have to go through what no human being or no creature in the universe has ever experienced before. He knew that going in. And he loved us that much. He loved us that much. The third way that Jesus modeled spiritual maturity was how he handled submission. Something we struggle with. Something we all struggle with. Submission. Submission to God's will. In verse 39, Jesus says, yet not as I will, but as you will. In verse 42, it says this, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Whatever the cost in the end, Jesus was going to submit to the father's will. That is difficult. He set that example. It's easy for me to get up and speak words, but very difficult for all of us to really grasp those words and live those out in our own lives. Things happen to you in your life and you've walked away from Christ. You, some of you have tiptoed away. You haven't like boldly walked away. You just kind of you know, the one foot here and one foot there, kind of doing your thing, walking along, making sure you kind of keep, you know, but you haven't kind of totally walked away from Christ. You're, you're keeping, you're, keeping your, you're hedging your bets a little bit here. I know these are difficult words, but the reality is no matter what I go through in my life, I hope, I hope, with all of my heart, I pray with all of my heart if I ever experience something so unbelievable as the loss of someone very close to me that I don't just say, I can't believe, how can I have done so much for you, Lord? I have given my whole life to you. I've served you with everything I have and this is what I get in return? People do that. doesn't go your way. Something gets taken from you that's precious and all of a sudden God's going to get the... Shh, shh, get him out. You're angry. You're not going And Jesus is showing us. He's saying no. Lord God, whatever I have to experience, whatever the loss I have to face, whatever the agony I have to endure, whatever anguish is in my heart and in my head, I will do your will to the very end. I'll do your will to the very end. Jesus knew something. Jesus did have an eternal perspective. He, he was fully man. He, he was going through it all, my friends. He felt it all, but he was also fully God, and he had that eternal perspective, and he knew what Luke twenty-two forty-three 43 says. It says, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I love this verse because it shows us that when we do the will of God, he provides the strength that we need. I don't know how he does it, how he's going to do it in your life, I don't know. I mean, the Bible talks about a peace that passes understanding. I almost, we almost lost Oliver when he was born, little Ollie, Jennifer's boy. And I I went, I mean, just thinking about it now chokes me up because I remember driving down the hospital, not knowing where he was. I mean, what was happening to him, if he was alive or he was, he was going to make it or not. And I started, you know, getting really upset about it. And Deb says, we can't cry. We need to be strong for those guys. So make sure, you know, don't, don't cry so we were kind of talking cry now we were talking to each other about it and then i went to church and i shared this i remember about a year over over a year ago and i had people coming up to me in the church who are grandparents i'm telling you something you don't all this grandparent stuff oh it's great to be a grandparent it's great to be a grandparent unless there's a, a chance or you go through the experience where you think that your child is going to lose their child I, who can prepare for that And then I had people coming to me in church who were grandparents who did lose their grandchildren. And they talked about how the peace of God, which passes all understanding, came upon them and gave them peace and joy and contentment. That's what we're talking about here. Thy will be done. Lord, I don't want to lose my grandchildren. I don't want to lose my children. I don't want to lose anybody close to me. It's hard enough to lose my parents someday. I don't want to lose people close to me. But when we go through these experiences, we have to be able to say like Jesus did, Thy will be done god. I don't know how you're going to get me through it I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how you're going to speak to me I've never experienced anything like that before but when it comes I trust that you're going to give me every bit of strength that I need an angel is going to come upon me You're going to surround me with your love and protection and i'm going to get through this and god sent Jesus an angel to provide the strength that he needed when you're facing the worst challenge or trial in your life He will give you the strength to overcome it. He will give you the strength to complete whatever task is in your way. The will of God will not lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. The will of God will not lead you to where the grace of God cannot keep you. God's grace will sustain you through whatever you experience. I don't know how. I can't understand it sometimes as a pastor when I go to funerals of people who lose someone that close to them and the grace of God has held them up. It is one of the most amazing things in Christianity when someone loses someone so close to them and the grace of God comes upon them and the peace of God surrounds them and they're able to say a verse that we use all the time. Well, you know, the peace of God will come... When it happens for real, it's so encouraging to watch and to see how God does that in our lives. After the time of prayer, what did Jesus do? In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 45 and 46, it says, Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? I used to bust on them for life. These the disciples. What a bunch of losers when I was younger. And I would think to myself, man, I would have been napping with the rest of them. Um, look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is, is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. He knows what he's about to face and he needs those closest to him to be engaged in his life. We fall short on this one sometimes, we really do. I don't know how many people I've talked to who are going through a really difficult time and if they go through that difficult time a little too long, everybody else is like, man, I don't want to hear your whining anymore oh, I don't want to be around that person. It's all the same thing. They're going through, oh, you have cancer. for. You've been having cancer for what, four or five years now? And everybody just kind of, and Jesus is saying, hey, I need you guys to be engaged with me. I need your involvement. I need you to pray with me. I need you to be there with me. I need you to support me. When you're going through the worst trial of your life, when you're going through the worst challenge of you, your life, you need the people closest to you to support you, to pray for you, to encourage you, to walk with you. And if it takes a little longer than our patience you know, will allow, you know what? Get more patience. I don't know how many people hold in what they're going through or stop coming to church for a little while because they feel like, you know what, these people have heard enough and people are getting kind of, kind of getting sick of me. They'll say this, they're kind of getting sick of me, sick of hearing from me. Now, you're still going through it, you're still agonizing, but people are a little sick of hearing. Oh, come on. You know, God is not an outside observer of our pain, but a participant with us in our pain. He engages when someone's parent dies, everyone when someone loses their parent and people I've heard people say, "Well, that's just na- that's natural." I don't, you know. Everybody loses their parent. Yeah, until you lose yours. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking forward to the day I lose my mom or my dad. Okay? I'm just I'm 49 years old and I'm not looking forward to the day I get a call and say, "Hey, your mom or your dad passed away." It, I, I agonize over that even thinking about my parents being gone, not being able to interact with them or talk to them anymore. People, oh, it's just natural. It's just a way of life. And, and, and here's my point. If you enter into someone else's suffering, you pray for them. You stay awake and you pray for them. You think, if that were me, how would I feel if I lost my... And you pray with that kind of fervor. But it's like, oh, you know, ah, you've been sick too long, or you, everybody loses this person, or, you know, buck up, or whatever else. Is that the example that Jesus Christ set for us? No he enters into our suffering and he's saying i want i need your support here i need your support sometimes when we need support the most we get the opposite we get the opposite in this case jesus is betrayed by a kiss in verse 49 says going at once to jesus judas said greetings rabbi and he kissed him isn't that a nice way for someone to betray you Give him a kiss. Hey, with the guy I kissed, this is the guy I want you to arrest. Matthew twenty-six fifty to 54 continues. Jesus replied, friend, do what you came for. Then the men stepped forward, seizing Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached, out, reached for his sword, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? Jesus is making a really strong point here. I can call on the father and I can get 12 legions of angels anytime I want. But if I do that, the scripture is not fulfilled. God's will is not done. These are words of submission. These are words of submission. He was submitting to God. He was submitting to God the Father, all that he had. Jesus was willing to submit to the Father, but Jesus was not out of control here. This was Jesus' choice. This was his choice. I've heard people say, oh, it's the Jews that killed Jesus. People, I mean, anybody who says that and, and is, is prejudiced against Jews or Jewish people because they say, oh, Jews killed Jesus, that shows the ignorance of the people you're talking to, okay? Oh, the Jews killed Jesus. Oh, the Romans killed Jesus. It was the Romans who did it. It was the Jews that did it. Try to blame it on them, whatever else. But Jesus was not some poor, helpless victim caught up in circumstances that were beyond his control. This is not what was going on. He freely, deliberately, willingly took that journey to the cross. It was Jesus Christ's choice to do that for the love that he has for us. God the Father didn't force him to go to the cross. Jews or Romans or no other group of human beings forced Jesus Christ to go to the cross. He didn't have to go to the cross if he didn't want to go. He's fully God. He can do anything he wants. He didn't, it was no, it wasn't forced. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it back up again. This command I received from my Father. He laid down his life because of his great love for us. And in the process, listen, he laid down his life because of his great love for us. And in the process, He crushed the enemy. He set us free. Only only Jesus could do that. Once Jesus understands the boundaries of the Father's will, he knowingly chooses to go to the cross. He walks to the cross with the strength. He walks to the cross in a a, a sphere of strength and fulfills his destiny. What the first Adam was incapable of doing, what he could not do, the second Adam did. Kulet käehu. Henke hel. Kas see käe teemini? Aga keel I love the symbolism where the first Adam failed, the second Adam did not. Crushing the enemy and bringing us freedom. He did. He already did all the heavy lifting. He already did all the heavy lifting. Now he's asking us to sacrifice in response. He sacrificed his life. He gave his life to us so that we could have eternal life. Now it's our turn to respond. It's our turn to respond. He died for you. He died for me. The question is, will we live for him? Will we offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God as our spiritual act of worship? Bow your heads with me as we close. Just bow your heads. He died for each one of us. The question I'm asking this morning as we close is, will we live for him? In Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are separated from God because of our sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are dead in our sins, separated from Him. But because Jesus crushed the enemy, We can have a relationship with God. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Many of you have been coming over the last few months or even a year and you've been hearing, you've been listening. You've been listening for a while. You've heard the truth. And now it's time to make a decision. There's a decision that needs to be made. If it's your desire this morning to walk with Christ, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. The prayer has no magic. It is your heart. It's what's in your heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. You'll have that relationship with him. It's not the magic of the prayer. It's what goes on in your heart, the reality of the truth in your heart. Pray this simple prayer with me. If if you want for the first time in your life to ask Christ to come and live in your heart, live in your life, just pray this with me. God, I, I may not understand it all. But with the knowledge I do have, I want a relationship with you. I just want to have a relationship with you. I want Jesus Christ to come into my life. God, I'm tired of doing it all alone. I need your spirit to guide me. I know Jesus died for me and today I want to start living for him. I want to offer up my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. I want you to be not only savior of my life, but Lord of my life. That I may say your will be done. Come into my heart. Set me free. If you're here this morning with everyone's head bowed, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or, or I'm just going to ask you to do this. I want you to just, that was your, the first time you ever prayed that prayer. I want you to just raise your hand up for a moment and put it back down. Amen. Amen. There are others here this morning. You know what you've been you've been a Christian for a while But you haven't been living like it This morning was a reminder of the sacrifice that your lord and savior Endured for you It was our sin that sent him to the cross And this morning is your time To put a period on the life that you've been living And start to live The life that God has called you and purposed for you to live. It's time to leave behind all those relationships that are destroying your life. It's time to put aside the lies that Satan's been speaking to you and realize that all you need to do this morning is turn around, say, Lord, I'm sorry. I want to walk with you in the newness of our relationship, Lord. I want to walk with you. No more shame. more guilt stop believing the lie hold his hand in your mind just hold his hand jump on his back whatever works for you in your head do what you need to do but latch on to jesus again and let him carry you into the life that he wants you to live i don't care what you're hearing in your mind right now about you've gone too far, you've walked too far away, God can't forgive you, all lies from the pit of hell. Jesus crushed the enemy under his feet. He rose from the grave to prove he is who he said he was. And that is the God who loved you enough to lay down his life for you. Nothing in this universe can take a child away from Christ once they are a child of God. Hold on to his hand. Let him lead you back to the path where you belong. Just say, God, I want to live for you. I'm tired of walking down a road that has led me to places I don't need to be. Forgive me for the decisions I've made. I want to continue to live for you. I want to start living for you again receive me as a prodigal receive me back that i could live my life with boldness for you if you prayed that prayer with me this morning as a gesture of a recommitment of your life to walk in Christ's ways just raise your hand up for a second and then put it right back down amen amen come on if if, if it's you if that's what you pray just put it up and put it back down That's the way you want to live. Then do that, okay? Amen. Amen. God is calling us to do amazing things, and we need to live our lives for him. We need to dedicate our lives for him. Father, each one of us comes before you. Those who have given their lives to you for the first time, and those who have recommitted their lives to you here this morning. Father, I pray that they would get connected, that they would not be sheep out on their own, that you would connect them back to the body, Lord God, in whatever way is comfortable for them, Lord God, that we would be able to reach out and encompass each other and love each other and support each other. Father, we cannot be out there on our own. We can't do it by ourselves. We need you and we need each other to pray for us. God, I pray that you would work in our lives and I pray that we would love each other and pray for each other and encourage each other and walk together, stand by each other, Lord God, through the challenges and the trials of life. And for those who have been away, Lord God, hold on to them with all of your, with all of your heart. Hold on to them. Let us love each other with an intense love. Let us enter into each other's suffering and difficulties Let us feel, Lord God, for each other. Protect each other. Aggressively defend each other from the evil one so that we can fulfill all that you have for us. We give our lives to you. We offer up our bodies, Lord God, this morning, each one of us. We offer up our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. This is, this morning, our spiritual act of worship. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.